From somewhere in Northeast Indiana, Mike Davidson lives. And now your host of the podcast, Mike Davidson. Oh yes, Mr. Robert, thank you very much. It's me, it's Mike, it's Mike Davidson lives. Thank you for joining me this go round as uh, do another recording late Wednesday night into Thursday morning. I little later than usual because I was trying to put my daughter Hazel to bed and she likes to fight going to bed as much as possible. Um, but uh, kind of a kind of a big moment for her. Um, well, a, a quick update on all three of the kids. Uh, first of all, Lana, um, my wife went to her parent-teacher conference uh, just the other day, and Lana's doing very well in pre-kindergarten, preschool, so that's very cool. Uh, Hazel got her first pair of glasses ever. She's three, and uh, she loves wearing them. We have to remind her to take them off before going to bed. She's got a slight astigmatism, so it's nothing too terrible, so that's cool. And Logan, uh, Logan is still a bub. Still a uh, obnoxious, fun, free-spirited one-year-old, living, loving life. So that's uh, that's basically a quick hit on the kids right there. Uh, kind of a quick hit follow-up uh, on this whole um, Top Gun Two thing uh, with uh, with Neil deGrasse Tyson, who likes to go on Twitter and uh, break apart everybody's favorite movies because uh, that's that's what uh, a-hole scientists like to do. And uh, he said, basically, there was a scene where uh, Tom Cruise was at uh, Mach 10.5 and ejects from a you know this plane, you know, pretty much falling apart and crashing. And he said that uh, if this happened in real life, uh, Tom Cruise would be crushed by the impact of the air around him. Like, it would be that fast, which kind of kills the illusion a little bit. But uh, it looks like Tom Cruise is going to get the last laugh. I uh, just got uh, looking at this link here. Uh, he is going to be the first civilian, I think, to do a spacewalk. That's well earned. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and you know, I was thinking about this too with Tom Cruise the other day. And not, granted, not every movie this dude does is a success, because any movie, any story you're uh, going to tell is a gamble. But uh, I remember reading up on him going incognito into a movie theater. To see how audiences would react to his movies or other movies, and just kind of make notes about it and try to apply what he has learned uh, to future filmmaking, and you know, with other producers and directors. And uh, it reminded me of something my dad told me about Ross Perot. Yeah, you'd never thought you were going to get a, a comparison of Tom Cruise with Ross Perot, but uh, I guess back in the day. Uh, Ross Perot is a pretty successful businessman, and he was on the uh, GM board of directors, I think, in the 80s before he got uh, got looking toward politics a little bit. And uh, General Motors was struggling at the time. And he told the board of directors, hey, look, if you want a good idea of what the average consumer goes through uh, when it comes to driving a General Motors car, GM car, what you need to do is go into a dealership incognito. Don't tell anybody who you are. Just buy a car and have it serviced by GM service people when it, when it comes time to. And get a feel for it. Understand what's going on with your company. And, of course, you know, these uh, big wig rich guys and gals who uh, couldn't be bothered with that kind of laughed at Ross Perot about this. And, well, you know, you kind of get the idea that General Motors was going down the tubes in the 80s. And they would repeat that cycle, oh, 25, 30 years later. So, but, uh, you know, Tom Cruise kind of has that same mindset. Hey, if I want to know how to succeed in the theater, 
maybe maybe apply that a little bit to what I'm doing. And that, that's pretty good, um, pretty good philosophy. I don't know about the Scientology stuff. Uh, I want to stay clear about that. Uh, by the way, uh, there's kind of on the whole topic of movies here, Smile, uh, I guess, is number one for the second straight week at the box office. That's that new horror movie, and it's uh, surprising all the critics and experts. Uh, Amsterdam, the new uh, David O. Russell movie, kind of bombed, and uh, they're saying that could lose up to $100 million. Holy crap. Uh, but I, it's not really surprising that a horror movie would be doing well in the month of October, guys and gals, because that's what it's supposed to do. Uh, I don't think it'll be number one at the box office this weekend because Halloween Kills, I think, comes out, and uh, that's going to make a killing, so to speak, at the box office. Yeah, again, know your audience. It's October. You're in the spooky season. Maybe put a few scary movies out in the theaters. Uh, okay, so... Want to want to touch base with a couple of things that happened Monday Night Football here, uh, in terms of uh, how we see culture. Um, the uh, Kansas Chiefs, uh, Kansas City Chiefs, rallied big time to beat the uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, I think they won by a field goal, and uh, receiver Devontae Adams, uh, who used to, used to have a good thing going over the Packers, and ends up at the Raiders. I guess he was frustrated with the loss because this, I think, was their third. Third loss of the season. They're like one and four now. The third loss of the season that was decided by uh, seven points or less. So basically, another close loss. And he got frustrated and he shoved a photographer. And of course, it kind of looks like the photographer got in his way on the way out of the locker room. And, you know, the thing about athletes when you're competing for three and a half hours, uh, you know, and you've been working hard and you, you get flustered when things don't go your way, you're not going to be thinking clearly. So I kind of give Devontae uh, the benefit of the doubt here, but uh, he took to Twitter to apologize to the dude. I think the better thing would be for him to apologize face-to-face -face and, you know, try to make things right. Not like, you know, the public uh, uh, Will Smith Spanish Inquisition thing with that slap that would not die for months on end, and in some extent still won't die. Because I think Mila Kunis uh, weighed in on it recently. Yeah, people are still talking about it. Uh, but I think the photographer is uh, pressing charges against Devontae Adams for, I think, misdemeanor assault or something like that. Yeah, uh, so kind of keep an eye on that. I, I don't think, think Devontae Adams maliciously set out to hurt him but it's it's one of those things that you shouldn't have done even though you kind of understand why he did it it just the, the photographer's in the wrong place at the wrong time but i think uh, sports writers were more upset at um troy aikman and this is really effing stupid uh because uh there's been some really questionable calls this past weekend in multiple nfl games uh, especially when it comes to roughing the passer and uh, there was one in particular uh, call that uh, he thought was total bullcrap, and it was on uh, David Carr. I forget, I forgot who put the hit, but it was a late hit. It wasn't much of a hit, um, and Kansas City fans were getting upset about it. And Troy Aikman's like, "Yeah, they got to go and look back at this. You know, the guys at the NFL office uh, need to take their skirts off." And basically, he was saying, "Man up." And I think a lot of people would agree with that assessment. 
Uh, but if you're uh, if you're a sports writer, you don't you don't write about sports anymore. You have to kind of uh, again do the Spanish Inquisition thing, uh, like what people did with Will Smith, and uh, chime in about you know what Troy Aikman did was lazy, sexist, and all this other stuff. And uh, you know you, you get these people um, getting upset that Troy Aikman said this. He's a, look. This dude kind of knows about roughing the passer because one of the reasons why he didn't play longer, and he could have, and had uh, bigger and better stats than he did. He's still a Hall of Famer. He's still got three rings, but he got concussed so damn much playing the game. Like He was just one of those guys that was a concussion magnet. And that, that kind of comes with the territory when it comes to being a quarterback. And it doesn't really seem like at least from his perspective, uh, that position needs any more coddling. And for a guy with three rings to say that is something. Um, and I think what you're kind of seeing here, and not just um, not just with um, uh, the attack on Troy Aikman, but just with uh, the NFL in general, they're getting away from what I call the P1s. In radio, you would call that your primary audience. You're, you're the first people that you appeal to, you know, your diehards. And uh, what made football great was the diehards, the people that understood that, you know, football is generally a more masculine sport because it's played by dudes. You don't have, uh, you know, sorry to say, you don't have women playing football most of the time. You have startup leagues every now and again. And, you know, you got women officiating, and you got women, you know, sideline reporters, halftime desk, you know, the, and that's fine. But, like, when it's played by dudes, dudes are going to be dudes. It just happens. Um, and so there's that. And all these rules in place kind of take away from dudes being dudes. I mean, you don't want people to be gravely hurt. But when you're throwing a flag at anything, it gets to be ridiculous. And Troy Eggman's calling out the NFL on this, which is surprising because you don't you don't hear a lot of the play-by-play -play or the color commentators do that with the league anymore. But uh, the way he did it was not, you know, uh, applauded by sports writers who uh, wanted to take more opportunity to chide him and, you know, make him look like a sexist bigot. When all he's saying is, look, this is not how the sport's supposed to be. You know, fix this. Quit regulating every damn thing and making the game longer than it needs to be. And uh, I'll say this also. I think it's a lot of the sports media. And you got a few of the, the Wokarati on Twitter, yeah. But I think uh, four out of five people, if they heard what they what Troy said Monday night, they would have shrugged and just said, meh, and went on to booing the refs because that that's what they do. Um, and, look, you know, Raiders have, Raider fans have it tough, but uh, just kind of a side note about where I am with the Colts. Um, not to make this sports talk because, God, that just, uh, no thanks. Uh, Matt Ryan, 38-year-old quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts, is on uh, pace uh, to break a new league record in terms of fumbles by a quarterback and is leading the league in uh, interceptions. And I just I just think back to when uh, Jim Irsay was uh, poo-pooing Peyton Manning's Star Wars numbers. Well, these are Star Wars numbers. These are more like Death Star numbers. And uh, and I, I don't know if uh, Jim Ursay at this point is Grand Moff Tarkin in the first Star Wars on the Death Star or the Emperor being thrown down the, uh, the 
power shaft at the uh, and Return of the Jedi. But uh, that's kind of where we're at with that. Okay, um, wanted to follow up real quick. Uh, local politics, and I apologize if you're listening elsewhere and you have no idea who the hell uh, Tom Henry is, but he is the mayor of Fort Wayne here, and uh, he got in a little bit of trouble over the weekend because uh, he was driving drunk and uh, got into a little bit of a wreck and got arrested for it. And uh, he's got a trial date coming up, um, I think, uh, first week of November. He bailed out. Uh, his his license is suspended. But basically, uh, I got a few of the details here. And before I get into this, again, I'm standing by what I said initially uh, with all that happened. Um, he's probably going to serve out the rest of his term. And there's a good chance he's going to run again and win. For his fifth term, doesn't matter if he's in trouble for drunk driving and damn near killing somebody. He didn't kill anybody. And, uh, you know, uh, they'll just say mistakes were made, blah, 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 blah. Um, but he'll probably run again and win. And not a whole lot will happen. I'm sure he'll have to do some community service and, you know, uh, you know in-home detention for whatever. I don't know. But basically the gist of what happened was Saturday night he was at a fundraiser. There was alcohol, and uh, he was driving back. His wife's in the car with him. His mother-in-law's in the car with him, and that's always kind of a bad thing. When not just you driving in a car drunk, but you driving in a car drunk with family, for crying out loud. And uh, he gets to this roundabout, which, you know, those things are always fun to drive when you're sober, right? He gets to this uh, roundabout, and there's a female driver uh, coming one way, and she sees him swerving to hit her side of the road uh, and it looked like it was going to be a head-on crash but Henry swerved at the last minute it was only a side swipe thank God you know she's okay and I'll say this I'm, thank God Mayor Henry's okay and his wife and his mother-in-law no one died as dumb as all this is you don't want anybody to die because that's always a bad thing okay uh, but you know of course the cops get called and uh, all this thing is uh, coming out. And uh, I guess at the m one moment, uh, according to the affidavit here I'm looking at, uh, the mayor's eyes, watery and bloodshot. His face was flushed. He was slurring his speech. And apparently he was argumentative with the cop. And, you know, it makes me wonder if uh, this particular cop had on him, uh, a, a, you know, a, a body cam. If uh, any of this gets picked up and if any of this ever gets leaked out to the media, it'd be kind of interesting to see what uh, uh, Mayor Henry would say. And um, I don't think it will be. I think they're going to try to quash it as much as possible. Let this go away. Now, he's given a sobriety test at uh, the scene, which include a walk and turn and a one-leg stand at the scene. And then a chemical test. 50 minutes later, after the wreck, after the cop arrived, um, this was at the jail, uh, Mayor Henry said, okay, I will do it. At the time he took it, he had a BAC of .152. Uh, legal driving BAC is .08 and under in the state of Indiana. You have to be under an 08 to drive. So um, it was .152 at the jail. And if, I'm, I'm assuming... That he didn't have anything to drink on the way to the jail because he's in the back of a cop car. It was probably a little higher. And, you know, it got me thinking back to um, when I was arrested for minor consumption way back in the day, 20 years old. 
six, seven weeks away from my 21st birthday. It was after a wedding. My Disney driver was sober. He got pulled over because he was speeding. Cops smelled uh, booze in the car. I, uh, I took a breathalyzer. Now it's a 0.132, 0.136. Yeah, you know, I was pretty, I was pretty drunk. Um, but I don't think I would have ever driven a car. I, I played it safe. I was stupid, but I played it safe. If that makes any sense. This guy was driving twice the legal limit with family and everything, and he was also driving a city vehicle. Which, okay, I kind of get because uh, you know you're going to a fundraiser. You're out there kissing faces, shaking baby, or you know. <laughs> Speaking of drinking, uh, you're out there, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands. God, that was bad. And, you know, you want to put on a good face. But, again, you're drinking, you're on the clock, and uh, it's not a good look when all this breaks out. Now, a little inside baseball uh, back when I was on the Bear. Actually, this was um, a few years before I went on the Bear. Back in the day, uh, 98.9 The Bear here in Fort Wayne had a pretty big party reputation with a lot of its jocks, like just wild, off the rails, balls to the wall, crazy. Um, when Pierre's was actually a great venue and had great bands come through, uh, Bear Jocks essentially partied there for free. Stan, the owner, would comp their drinks. Um, that was, that was uh, before me. That was uh, back in the good old days, I guess. Uh, but it got to be so much trouble, though, uh, trying to keep some guys in line that I think Allgaier, our general manager, Again, this was prior to me coming there. Uh, he put the kibosh on drinking while on the clock. If you're wearing bear gear, if you were representing any of the radio stations of that cluster, you had to be sober. And then once uh, you know your live appearance, your broadcast was over, you know if you wanted to take off your bear shirt and you know you know hang out and drink, that's fine. Kind of get that because I never went on the air drunk or wasted. Um, I may have snuck a beer or two at some live appearances when nobody was looking, but it wasn't like, hey, man, I'm doing jello shots and, you know, tumbling out onto a golf course or anything like that. So there's that. But if you are driving the city vehicle, and again, you're representing the city, it would make sense to maybe limit your drinks, like maybe two. Because, you know, the way this thing looks, you probably had at least six glasses of wine, at least. And probably a little more than that. And uh, just, it, I don't know. It, this thing could have been avoided totally. But again, nobody got killed. Nobody got hurt. That's the good thing. But I don't see I don't see him not running again unless the Democrat Party tells him not to run and they want to go a different direction. Because I don't think, uh, I don't think, a Republican's going to hold the mayoral office in Fort Wayne anytime in the near future. Now, I could be totally wrong about this, but it's just when you when you're in a city, uh, you know the the population tends to be a little more liberal because they think government can provide everything for you. And if that's the case, I think a lot of voters will look the other way if Mayor Henry still does again run for fifth term. And, of course, he'll be in his 70s, and they won't think twice about that. So that's that. But it's it's kind of a glaring double standard when you do think about it. You or me, if we got caught driving drunk, uh, there's a good chance we could lose our jobs, uh, the, the ability to go to our jobs, all the financial cost. 
I'm not saying you should legalize drunk driving. I'm just saying uh, the repercussions would be a lot worse for us if we were in a similar situation. Uh, you know, and I'll date you more on this as, uh, as this thing kind of unfolds and everything. All right. Uh, wanted to jump in on um, Alan Moore uh, for the uninitiated. Uh, to me, he's probably the greatest comic book writer ever. And I did uh, post the story on the Mike Davidson Facebook page. Adrian, if you're listening, I do agree. Yes, Alan Moore can be pretentious. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he's, he's kind of full of himself, but a lot of creators are. And, but he's written some great yarns. Uh, I mean, his run on Swamp Thing's awesome. Watchmen's a classic. V for Vendetta. V for Vendetta. Uh, you also have the the man who has everything, a great Superman story. Whatever happened to the man to, to, of tomorrow. Uh, the Killing Joke, which is a definitive, kind of definitive Joker story, and some other things. He's written some great things, um, and he's always been pissed off about adaptations of his work. Like, uh, you know, The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, fun read, movie, the comic book's a fun read. All right. Uh, in a recent interview, he was talking about something that I kind of agree with. Kind of. I don't go full in on this. Uh, and again, I am a big nerd of funny books. Um, but he said something to the effect that uh, because adults are more into comic book culture, you know, because now it's now more mainstream and more, you know, I guess more adults are into that sort of thing. And, you know, you have big Marvel and DC movies. Uh, he says because of that, uh, adults have become more infantile in their basic understanding of things, and this could lead to fascism. Sounds a little extreme, right? And, of course, I imagine a lot of comic book fans would be like, oh, he's full of shit. Easily kind of full of shit. Okay, and, and again, I'm a fan of this stuff. I have a, I'm looking at my nerd shelves right now. I've got one for DC trades and one for Marvel trades. I also have a big, uh, about two or three bookshelves of actual books, actual non-picture books. And this is where I'm going with this because it, yeah, I know it sounds hypocritical of him to say this because he did write grown-up stories. And in this interview, if you want to read more about it, he's talking about how, like, you know, everybody's talking about how comic books grew up. And his argument is, well, comic books have always been for kids. And you're watching a lot of people write stories, create things with characters that were created by other creators. Um... But, his, you know, he's talking about how it's become overtly complex, more so to the point where people think that these are great stories, great literature, and that it makes their understandings of right and wrong and everything else basic, and that they'll fall in line with anything. And that's why he thinks fascism could be a thing. I agree with that to a point. But this could be true of any sort of thing you like. Not just comic books, but, you know, I know a lot of guys at work who like to game. Video games. You know, that's a nice little distraction. Uh, you know, you have people that are into Pokemon and stuff. You have people that are into Housewives. Uh, you know, all sorts of reality shows. Um, if you're too much into something and you think that's the end-all, be-all, that's a problem. And that could wreak havoc with your perception on the world. And, you know, that was a reason why I got out of collecting monthly comic books uh, years back. 
uh, because I, you know, I would look at some fan, uh, some people that would go into comic book stores, and that's all they lived for. Whereas, like with me, it's like, yeah, I love this stuff, but I also love other things. I don't want to be just known as, hey, he's a comic book nerd, and you know that's why I also watch, aside from the Marvel stuff, you know, I have a list of movies I think are awesome and spectacular. Uh, I've got a, a big thing of books right now. I'm reading uh, right now Stephen King's The Shining because it is October and I want to be scared. And so far, mission accomplished. I've got another 200 pages of this. And after that, I'm going to have to read some comic books to kind of take the edge off. <laughs> I mean, it's a very complex book. And sometimes you need something that's kind of like a Michael Bay movie, like comic books, to fill the void. And I know everyone's getting at my uh, uh, Alan Moore on this because he wrote The Watchmen and is a very complex comic book. And it's like, well, you did it. But if you know anything about the, the story, uh, the so-called hero of it is kind of a racist fascist. The, so, the so-called villain of it is a liberal hero who thinks if you break a few eggs, you know, kill a few million people, it's okay as long as you save people for the greater good. Uh, the superhuman guy in it uh, is so superhuman, he's not even human. And you have a couple people that are heroes just because they find it kinky and they get off on it. Yeah, these are not the people you want to dictate your lives, to save you. And that was kind of the point of Alan Moore's Watchmen. It was kind of a cynical look at comic books. And it, it's a very good story. Same year came out, 1986, Frank Miller put out The Dark Knight Returns, which is about a 50-something-year-old Batman who goes around and um, comes out of retirement, gives a finger to the federal government, and starts beating up on bad guys again. And it's great. Um, but they're basically the yin and yang of DC that year and of the comic book industry. Alan Moore's look was a little more cynical on superheroes. Frank Miller's was a little more optimistic. Well, I'm doing optimistic because it's got some dark humor in it. These are some dark stories, by the way. Um, but it, these were great comic books. They were complex in their own way. But they drew inspiration from other things. And you have to also kind of look for inspiration from other things. You know, get out, do things, read other things like books. Yeah, that's. I think that's what Alan Moore is talking about. Because if you just have that tunnel vision on one particular genre of anything, you lose sight about what's going on around you. So I give him that. Yes, it's hypocritical, but I give him that. All right, uh, a couple things maybe. Uh, a, a couple. I have a bunch of things I didn't get to, but um, I can deal with it later. But uh, two things I wanted to touch upon. Uh, one over across the pond in England, uh, Sean Cleese, legendary performer of Monty Python, um, and not real big on uh, the woke karate. He's got this new show where he pokes fun out of people who are woke and, uh, you know, virtue signaling and all that stuff. And uh, a lot of people are making a big fuss about it because I guess it's on a channel over there that is the equivalent of Fox News for Brits. And uh, they're, they're talking about how John Cleese is a sellout and you know he's an old fuddy-duddy and um, he's basically just doing this for right-wingers. Uh, but if you've ever heard John Cleese talk politically, he's pretty friggin' socialist. You know, there aren't a lot of things I would agree with him politically on. But 
this dude is one of the funniest guys on the planet. He was part of one of the funniest comic troops on the planet. He didn't change. It's just a lot of people on his side of the aisle changed. And they grew up learning to hate humor. And I think anything that you say is fascist, evil, racist, sexist, homophobic, all that funny stuff. And keep in mind, John Cleese, you know, wore dresses on Monty Python. They didn't think anything of it. You know, they were basically uh, the the godfathers to kids in the hall. Okay. So <laughs> um, what John Cleese is doing is just kind of poking uh, the hornet's nest here because that's what great artists do. Whether the show's a success over there or not remains to be seen, but that's that's the thing. It's a risk. Without risk, comedy cannot exist. Mel Brooks would not have the same impact if he had to play with some of the rules today. Matt Stone, Trey Parker, South Park, same principle. Richard Pryor, get the idea. You got you got to poke the hornet's nest to see what works and what doesn't. And you know, if if people generally get pissed off, there might be something to it. All right, I'm going to wrap this up real quick because uh, Haunted Places, uh, somebody was bringing this up to me the other day, Brewick Road here in Fort Wayne. Um, and apparently uh, it's not too far from our house. And uh, I'll tell you why this is kind of a cool thing. I guess at night if you drive down the road and you get to a point and you think you turn off the lights or something, you'll see orbs of light floating and they'll pass you. And it reminds me of something my wife told me about how one time growing up in Kokomo, her and her mom had a similar experience where there were orbs of light in their house, and they kind of just floated away, and it was kind of eerie, spooky, but kind of cool. So I'm wondering if I could take her out there this weekend and see if we could see it. Probably leave the kids here. I mean, that, that might be something she might be into, but I'm also kind of like, yeah, maybe she won't be because... She's got to think about bad mojo, bad muju. Uh, she does. If she knows the voodoo is bad, she's not going to mess with it. She's she's a little more spiritually inclined to the universe around her than I am. I'm the idiot that keeps you know provoking things by running my mouth. All right, so but I'll, I'll let you know if I can get her to. Well, we probably can't do it this weekend because we got a bonfire and there's going to be booze there, and I'd be an idiot to pass up on booze. Maybe we do it the next weekend. But it's a to-be-continued. Tell you what, I will broach the idea with her this weekend, Sunday night, when I do this again, I'll let you know what's going on with that. All right, till next time, stay fresh, cheese man. You've been listening to Mike Davidson Live. Be sure to check him out on social media. Like him at facebook.com backslash mdavidsonlives. Follow him on Twitter. Look for at Davidson Live. 